If you would turn with me in your Bibles, if you have them, to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we come before you once again. And now in this moment as we come before your word, as we open it together, may you fill us with your spirit. May you enable us to see your word, to understand it, and to receive it with joy. Father, I ask that you will be with me as I seek to preach and to proclaim the wonderful truths that are here in John chapter 11. May you be with me as I seek to proclaim these things with clarity. And I pray also that you will be with those who sit before me as they they listen. May you be with them. May you give them eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to embrace it with great joy. As we were looking earlier in in Sunday school, the, the women, whenever they came to the tomb of the Lord Jesus when He had risen and He was not there, and they saw the angel and they left with great joy in their hearts. Father, may we this morning leave this place after hearing Your Word and understanding it, may we leave with great joy. Father, also think of the song that we just sang a moment ago, The Power of the Cross. For so many, the cross is a sign of weakness, a sign of shame, a sign of brutality, which in a way it is. It's a horrible symbol of pain and suffering. But yet, Lord, You took this thing, this horrible thing that was used to crucify your Son, and you used it to bring salvation to your people. This is indeed the power of the cross. And thanks be to you, thanks be to God, that our Lord Jesus did not stay on the cross and He did not stay in the tomb, but He rose again. And He sits at your right hand and He intercedes for us even now and we wait for the day when He returns and we experience new life with Him. Be with us in this moment, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As Christians, we believe in the resurrection of Jesus. I mean, that's why we're we're here this morning. That's why we're gathered together. We believe in the resurrection. We believe that Jesus lived for us. We believe that He died for our sin. And we believe that He did not stay dead, but that He rose again from the tomb, from the grave on the third day, Sunday morning. Resurrection Sunday. First day of the week. Then we also believe that after He rose from the grave, that He ascended to heaven, where He is currently seated at the right hand of God, until the time comes when He will return. And we believe when He does return that all those who know Him and trust in Him will be also resurrected as He was to new life when He rose from the grave. So as Christians, 
We believe those truths. We proclaim them. We walk by these truths. And we eagerly wait for the resurrection to come, that final day. However, what I want us to be reminded of this morning as we are gathered together in this place, as we celebrate Resurrection Sunday together, I want us to be reminded that we do not just wait for an event to take place, but we long for a person. We long for Jesus Christ Himself to be in His presence and to behold His glory. So you see what I'm saying there. We do not just wait for an abstract event to come that's going to bring the resurrection. We do not just wait for the things, the good things that are going to come with the resurrection. Although it is good to eagerly wait for that day, to wait for the resurrection and to wait for the things that are going to come with the resurrection. It's good to eagerly wait for them when we will be made new, when we will receive glorified bodies, when we will be reunited with so many of those who we have lost, some of the things that we'll receive on that day when Christ returns. It's good to wait for those things. It's good to be excited about them, to wait for that day. But do you wait for that day and forget about the primary purpose of the resurrection, which is that Christ comes and that we receive Him? Do we wait for that day and forget about Jesus? Do we look and think about the resurrection as if He just ushers the event in And then we pass Him by to go and to enjoy what we really want to enjoy. Do we wait for Jesus to come? Do we wait for Him to bring the resurrection? And then when He does bring the resurrection, it's like when we go to uh, some event and we go to the ticket booth and the person who's handing out the tickets, He gives us the ticket. We get what we really... We get the ticket and then we really want or we really go to do what we want to do. Do we treat Jesus like that? Thank you, Jesus. You've given me the resurrection. You've given me my glorified body. Now, let me pass you by because I want to see my family. Because I want to walk down the streets of gold or, you know, whatever. All of the different things that we talk about heaven, which are good things. They are good things. But do we treat Jesus as if He's just the person who brings it but then we just pass Him by. Friends, to wait for the day of resurrection and to forget about Jesus or to see Him as just the person who ushers it in, who ushers it in, is to miss the point. Because as we are about to see in John chapter 11, Jesus is the resurrection. And Jesus Christ is the life. He's not just the means to obtain resurrection and life, but He is the resurrection and the life. So as 
we look at this chapter together, I want you to be asking yourselves, what makes the resurrection so attractive to you? Why do you desire the resurrection? Is it because you desire above all things to behold the Son of God in His glory? Or, you, or do you desire something else? Maybe some of the things that I just mentioned a moment ago. Is Jesus to you just the person who brings what you really want? I pray that in this time that we have together, you would see that Jesus is not just the, the person who ushers these things in, but he, he is Himself the treasure. He is Himself the crown jewel. Or maybe that's not you at all. Maybe, maybe you are a person who's grown up all your life hearing these things, but you've never really embraced them for yourself. Maybe you're just curious about them. Maybe you think these things are interesting, but you've never really put both feet in. You've never really devoted yourself to these things. They're interesting to you, but yet you don't really think they're worth your devotion. Committing your belief, your trust to them. Well, if that's you, I pray that in this time you would see that this is indeed real, that Christ was a real person, that He literally lived, that He literally died, and that He literally rose from the grave, and that He will literally return one day. And all those who know Him and trust in Him, they will see His face and they will see His glory. So look with me now at John chapter 11. I'm going to read the whole chapter. My main focus is going to be verses 17 to 27. I am going to be commenting on different parts of the chapter, but that will be our main focus as we look at chapter 11. Beginning in verse 1, the Apostle John writes, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was, Mar- it was Mary, excuse me, not Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death, it is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when He heard that Lazarus was ill, He stayed two days longer in the place where He was. Then after this, He said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to Him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, 
And for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Now when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met Him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if You had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever You ask from God, God will give You. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to Him, I know that He will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in Me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who believes, who lives and believes in Me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to Him, Yes, Lord. I believe that You are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister, Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw Him, she fell at His feet, saying to Him, Lord, if You had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, He was deeply moved in His spirit and greatly troubled. And He said, Where have You laid Him? They said to Him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will... Be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So this chief priest and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, What are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But one of them, 
Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. He did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So from that day on, they made plans to put Him to death. Jesus therefore no longer worked, walked openly among the Jews, but went from there to the region near the wilderness, to a, to a town called Ephraim, and there He stayed with the disciples. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and many went up from the country to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. They were looking for Jesus and saying to one another as they stood in the temple, What do you think? That He will not come to the feast at all? Now the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where He was, He should let them know so that they, may, so that they might arrest Him. Now look with me at verse 17. <clears throat> in verse 17 we see that when Jesus, when He comes to Bethany, where Martha and Mary and where Lazarus has been buried, when He gets there, we read that Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. Now, we know from the previous verses that we just read that Jesus does not show up at this time Lazarus being in the tomb four days on accident. He does this on purpose. Jesus means to show up in Bethany when He does. Why? Why does Jesus show up at this specific time? What is Jesus doing? It's very strange. Well, we find four reasons within verses 1 to 16 why Jesus does this. Three reasons you can see plainly in the text. The fourth reason is there, but you can't see it as plainly as the other three. The first reason, verses 3 and 4. Jesus hears about Lazarus' illness from a messenger that Mary and Martha had sent to Him. He hears about what's going on. He hears that Lazarus is ill. And then He says this, This illness, this illness does not lead to death. That's in the second part of verse 4. Jesus hears, and He says, this illness does not lead to death. Now, how can Jesus say that? Because as we just read, Lazarus does indeed die. So, okay, Jesus, how can you say it does not lead to death when clearly He dies? Well, Jesus is thinking about what He's about to do when He gets there. Jesus knows that when He gets to Bethany, He's going to call Lazarus out of the tomb. He's going to raise him up. So he doesn't mean he means that this illness does not lead ultimately to death. Yes, he will die, but he will rise again. That's what Jesus means when he says there that this illness does not lead to death. Now look at what Jesus says next. He says that the illness does not lead to death but it is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. 
everything that you read in this chapter, and in fact, in the Bible, and in fact, everything that happens is for that reason, right there, in that verse. It is for the glory of God, and so that the Son may be glorified through it. It's for God's glory, and it's so that the Son of God may be glorified, revealing God's glory to all those who will be there. So it's for God's glory, and Jesus Christ is the one who's going to make that glory known. That's how He's going to be glorified through it. They're going to see what He does, they're going to see God's glory, and they're going to praise Christ for it. It's for the glory of God and for the glory of His Son. Second reason, verses 5 and 6. John tells us that Jesus loves Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. He tells us that He loves them. In the end, in verse 6, because Jesus loves them, so, or therefore, when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Now, is that just not strange? John says, now Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. So when he hears that Lazarus is ill, a serious illness... That's why they sent the messenger to Jesus in the first place. They wanted Him to come. Jesus hears this. Therefore, He stays two days longer in the place that He was. We look at that and we say, what kind of love is that? Right? If I send you a messenger because my brother's ill and you stay there two days longer, I'm going to think that you hate me or that you just don't care. But Jesus does it, and it's love. In fact, it's the love of God Himself that's being put on display. Now the question is, how is this love? How is that loving to stay two days longer and let Lazarus die and let Martha and Mary suffer His loss and mourn His death? It goes back to the first reason. It's for the glory of God. And so that the Son of God will be glorified through it. And let me tell you that Jesus Christ loves you in the exact same way. And what He cares about first and foremost is not your comfort. It's not that you don't get sick. It's not that your family member doesn't die. Yes, God cares about those things, but most of all, He wants you to see His glory. He wants you to behold His glory in His Son. And if it means your brother dying so that you see it and know it all the more, then yes, God will allow that to happen. God will allow you to get sick to get cancer for your family member that who you love very much to die 
so that you know God more through it, so that you see His glory. That's why He's doing this. Reason number three. Verses 14 and 15. Jesus tells His disciples plainly that Lazarus has died because he, He's saying that Lazarus has, has fallen asleep. And the disciples, misunderstanding, they say, Oh, well, if he's sleeping, that's a good thing because he's going to recover. He's resting. And Jesus looks at him. He says, No, he's not resting. He's dead. He died. And then He tells them that for... There's, again, strange... He tells them that for their sake, He's glad that He was not there so that they may believe. Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. I'm glad I wasn't there to heal him. I'm glad I wasn't there to keep him from dying so that you may believe, so that you may see the glory of God, so that you may see His love, and so that you may believe. Reason number four. This one's not plainly in the text, but it is there. Jesus shows up four days later because He wants everyone to be sure that Lazarus is indeed dead and that there is no way that he can be resuscitated in some way. Jesus wants to make it very clear that when He shows up and that when He says, Lazarus, Come out, and when he walks out, Jesus has not performed some trick. This man is for sure dead. He smells. He stinks. He's rotting in the grave. There's no way that this man's going to just be resuscitated in some way. You can't do CPR on a man like that, or, you know, whatever, some other form of resuscitation. He's dead. He's rotting in the grave. Jesus wants to show that He has power even over death itself, even over the grave. So those are the four reasons that we see in those verses of why Jesus waits two more days before He goes. So whenever Jesus gets there, when He gets to Bethany, Lazarus has been in the tomb four days. Martha, who is in the house... She hears that Jesus is coming and she leaves the house and goes to meet Jesus as He's coming into the town. She leaves. Mary stays where the other Jews were there consoling and mourning with Mary. So she leaves. She meets Jesus. And when she meets Him, she says this to Him. And this is down in verses 20 to 26. She says... The second part of verse 21. Lord, if you had been here... Now, she's weeping. She's crying. She, her brother just died. Try to picture in your mind how she's talking to Jesus in this moment. She's running up to Jesus, probably tears coming from her eyes. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Within that comment that Martha makes, 
I think there is a mixture of emotions going on. I think it be it, you can't really say exactly this is what Martha is feeling. There's a mixture of things going on here. And so this is what I think as Martha comes to, to Jesus, some of the emotions she may have been feeling, some of the things been going through her mind. I think, for one, she was genuinely sad. I mean, she just lost her brother. Her brother just died. I mean, how would we be if our brother just died? You know, somebody close to you just died, we would genuinely be sad. We would be mourning their death. We would not like the fact that they are now gone, and that would just continually be setting in and becoming a you know a reality to us. So she's genuinely sad that her brother has died. I also think that she's disappointed. Disappointed that Jesus wasn't there to heal her brother. I don't think that she gets mad at Jesus. I don't think she rebukes Jesus because He wasn't there. But she's disappointed. She knows that if Jesus had been there... He would not have died. Jesus would have healed him. And then also I think that she also still has confidence in Jesus. When she says, you know, even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Now that's, that's probably the most difficult part in her comment to really understand. She does show confidence in Christ and His ability to speak to the Lord and Him hearing Him like He doesn't hear anybody else. But in a moment, we're going to see that she doubts Jesus because He says, roll back the stone. And she resists. Wait, Lord. He's been dead four days. So again, there's a mixture of emotions going on there as she comes to to Jesus and she says these things. But Jesus... He responds to her roller coaster of emotions and he says, Your brother will rise again, Martha. He will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, Oh, feel the weight of these words. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. If you say that, you're crazy. (laughs) And we should not listen to you and we should create space between you. (laughs) A lot of space. Maybe even put you in jail if you say what Jesus says right there. I am the resurrection and I am the life. Imagine standing there in that moment. You're Martha and Jesus says that to you. How do you take that? What goes through your mind when this man literally stands before you and He says these words. Man, it's... I want to say unbelievable, but yet it's, it's believable because it happened. <laughs> it's real. 
Now, let's just dig into this conversation that goes on between Jesus and Martha. So Martha comes to Jesus, you know, with her roller coaster of emotions. Jesus responds and he says, Your brother will rise again, Martha. Martha hears this. She misunderstands what Jesus is talking about. She thinks that Jesus is talking about the final resurrection. You know, that day, when it comes, yes, I know that he will rise again. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus knows what's about to happen. Jesus knows that Lazarus is about to rise today, Martha. In just a few moments, your brother is going to walk out of the tomb. Martha doesn't know that, though. She doesn't realize that that's about to happen. But that's what she thinks Jesus is talking about. And that's when Jesus responds, because there's something else that that Martha doesn't realize. Martha doesn't realize that she is standing in the presence of the one who is going to bring that final resurrection. And not only does Jesus bring the resurrection or cause the resurrection, but He Himself is the resurrection and the life. Resurrection and life are so closely tied to Jesus that they are embodied in Him and can only be found in Him. That's why Jesus responds the way that He does. He takes Martha away from this abstract event that's going to happen and He says, yeah, that's true, and I'm right here. That event's true, and in a way, it's standing in your presence in the flesh. That's who I am. That's who I am. That's going to happen because of me. It's like whenever Jesus says that He is the bread of life. He doesn't just point you to the bread of life. He doesn't just give you the bread of life. He is the bread of life. To know Christ is to know the bread of life. Or whenever He says that I am the light of the world. He doesn't just hold up the light of the world. He doesn't point you to it. He's the light. He's the source of the light. To know Christ is to walk in the light. And to not know Him is to walk in darkness. You think about the other I am statements that Jesus makes. This is who this man is. And so it is here with the resurrection in life. To know Jesus is to know and have resurrection. To know Jesus is to know and have life. They cannot be found outside of Him. And you can see now why it's so important that we remember as we gather together this morning celebrating the resurrection and the final resurrection that's going to come, it's important that we remember that first and foremost we wait not for an event like Martha's talking about there that we experience or merely experience, but a person who's coming. Jesus Christ. He is the reason why we eagerly await the resurrection. To fully see and experience Him. 
Yes, all of the other things that come with the resurrection are good things. And it's okay to look forward to them. But friends, those things are just peripheral. They're to the side. They're like the cherry on top, you know. It's good to have those things. It's good to long for them. It's good to be excited about them, but they are peripheral and Jesus is the crown jewel. He's the center. So if we desire and long for something else more than Jesus, then we miss the point of resurrection and we've missed the point of what it means to have life. If Jesus comes and He brings the resurrection and we come to Him and we say, okay, give me the resurrection and then we pass Him by, You've just passed it all up. He's the source. To know Christ, that's to have resurrection. That's to have life. Now look at me. Look, look with me to uh, verses 28 and 44 here in chapter 11. In verses 28 to 44, we see Jesus prove His claim that He just made. He just said, I am the resurrection and the life. It's a bold claim, right? Well, He proves it in these next verses. And not only does He prove His claim that He just made, He also gives a sign of what is to come. So, the the conversation between Martha and Jesus finishes up. Martha leaves Jesus. She goes back to the house where Mary is. She tells Mary that the teacher is calling for her. So Mary gets up. She quickly goes to Jesus. And the other Jews who are in the house, they see her rise and leave. They're thinking that she's just going to the tomb to weep, when in reality she's going to see Jesus. So they all leave the house. They go to Jesus. And she responds to Jesus in a similar way that Martha did. She comes to Jesus and she says, Lord, if you had been here, except for she falls at His feet, and she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And she's weeping. And the other Jews with her are weeping. And Jesus sees this. He sees her tears. He sees her weeping. He sees their weeping. And John says in verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, He was deeply moved. Referring to sorrow or to grief there. He had a deep sense of grief or sorrow within His spirit. And He was also greatly troubled. That refers to anger or a source of strong displeasement. Jesus was filled with sorrow, and He was also filled with anger. Now again, I think it's hard to pinpoint exactly what's going on there because there's just so much going on. And again, Jesus is a real person. He's a man. He experienced emotion just like you and I do. And we see that here. So He... This is what I think. He sees what's going on. You know, he sees their sorrow. He sees their grief. And it moves him. I mean, he's genuinely, he's genuinely sad. 
He loved, remember, he loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. He just died. They're mourning his death. They're in the presence of death, the great enemy that he's about to destroy. Shortly, in a few chapters anyways. So I think that brings about sadness and grief. But also there's, dif- there's disbelief going on too. Because he weeps and then some of the Jews say, see how he loved him. And others say, I lost my spot, where was that? Verse 37, But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? They questioned Jesus. And Jesus is not pleased with that. He doesn't like when his motives are questioned. Because as we saw, Jesus knows why he's doing what he's doing. And so he's filled with great sorrow and he's also filled with great anger. And then in verse 38, John tells us that then Jesus deeply moved again, those same emotions. He goes to the tomb and he says, remove the stone. Remove it. Pull it back. And Martha, it's when she responds with her, her moment of doubt, Jesus, it's been four days. There's a stench. You know, he, he's, the, the process of decomposition has already taken place. And then Jesus responds and He says to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God, referring to the conversation that He had just had with her, saying that I am the resurrection and the life. Did I not tell you this? So she hears that, and apparently she consents. She withdraws. And then Jesus, they, the men take away the stone, and then Jesus lifts His eyes up and He prays. And it's an interesting prayer. He says, Father, I thank You that You have heard me. I knew that You always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around. Jesus is praying not for Him. He's praying for you. He knows that the Lord hears Him. He wants you to understand that. So He prays. And then after He had said those things, He cries out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And the man who was dead four days hears and obeys and he walks out covered in the grave clothes and Jesus says loose him, let him go take take the clothes off of him and let him go Jesus proves his claim he has power over death he has power over the grave he is indeed the resurrection, and the life. It's within Him. He's the source. And He also gives a sign. He gives a sign in this moment of of what is about to take place in His own death. He's about to die. And He's going to rise from the grave on the third day. Death will not have power over Him. And something that's ironic, the way that John sets this up, 
Jesus goes to Jerusalem to give life, to raise Lazarus. But in this moment, when He does that, this is the very thing that causes His death. Because the Jews see this and they hate it. He gives another sign. So not only does this point forward to when Jesus is going to rise from the grave, but it points to when that final day will come. When the trumpet of God will sound and the command of Christ will go out. Just like with Lazarus, Jesus will say, come out. And those people who are in Christ out there in that graveyard and in every other graveyard and any other tomb or whatever, they will hear and obey. And they will rise. They will rise from the grave. <clears throat> Which, by the way, everybody receives resurrection. Only some, though, receive resurrection to eternal life. Others receive resurrection to eternal darkness and to eternal death. Now, let's glance with me at verses 45 to 53. This brings about two responses. Verse 45, Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what He did, believed in Him. Jesus' prayer is answered. Some people see this and they believe. They see what He's done and they say, Yes, Lord! You are my Lord. You are my God. You are my Savior. You are my King and You are my treasure. That's one response. They believe. And then the other response. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. They heard what Jesus said. They saw what Jesus had done and they didn't want anything to do with it. They said, get this man out of here. <laughs> Let's go tell the Pharisees so we can start planning how to get rid of this dude. How we can kill him. Those are the two responses. And those are the only two responses that a person can have in response to Christ. I mean, no, you may not be exactly like the Pharisees and try to literally kill Jesus, but you either hear Jesus, see what He does, hear what He says, and you embrace Him and say, Yes, Lord, that's what I want. Or you say literally with your mouth or you say with your heart, I don't want that. I'm very much okay with my own little kingdom that I've built. That's what I want. I don't want you, Jesus, coming in and impeding on my space with your I am the resurrection and the life mumbo-jumbo or whatever. I mean, you may not say it exactly like that, but those are the only two responses. You either embrace Christ for who He is but you don't want Him at all. And Jesus Himself gives... These are the only two responses that He gives. Like when He says, I am the resurrection and the life. In other words, that's who I am. That's where resurrection is found. That's where life is found. And if you don't come through Me or come to Me, you're going to die. That's the only other option you got. Or when I am the light of the world, when He says that, you either come to Jesus and experience the light of the world and embrace it, or you walk in darkness. 
There's no, like some of the lights that we have, there's no dim to it. There's no, okay, I just want a dim down version. No, there's none of that. Or when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, you either come to Jesus and you experience bread of life, or you don't, and you starve, spiritually speaking. And on and on it goes. Jesus does not give neutral ground. You are either with Christ or you are against Christ. You are either in Christ experiencing life or you are outside of Christ. And although you have life now, one day you will experience death. Those are the only two responses. So I want to close by saying again with what Jesus says to Martha. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And Martha responds, Yes, Lord. I believe that You are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Martha's belief, her trust, is not just some, yeah, I know who Jesus is. I've heard of Him. I've seen the miraculous things that He's done. No, her, I believe, is I genuinely know and desire this man. And He's what I want. That's who I wait for. That's what this belief looks like. Do you believe? In that way, like Martha responds. Let's pray. Father, we come before You. And oh, I thank You for Christ. Oh, this, this man, the, the God-man, Your Son. Oh, the words that He proclaimed, His bold sayings. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever knows me, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Father, He is the crown jewel. He is the one who reveals You most plainly to us. And oh, I pray that we would be reminded this morning that that's who we wait for. And I pray that if there is someone here this morning that does not know Christ, as we just saw, that You would draw them to Yourself, that they would come to know Him, to desire Him, to find their joy, to find their life in Him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.